0: The real reason we're in this world and everything else that happens in our lives, the people we meet, the people we marry, the children we have, the work that we do, is to give us an opportunity to grow into change.
1: Because right? but in reality, we're meant to change, we're meant to choose change, we're meant to embrace it, seek it, and then get excited about it. And that's really what a spiritual being spiritually hungry is. It's being excited about chasing change. Because when you do that, it's not just your reality will change, but first your consciousness shifts. You're able to see things in a different way, you're able to feel in a different way. It's kind of like having all of your senses heightened like you had never had it before. For it's me, the fact that, that,
0: that if I want to have a better experience of my life, then I have to change. Then I have to find a way to evolve and diminish my selfishness and increase my what we call desire to share. And that's why this maybe constant battle against my own reactivity is so important.
1: Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Hungry Podcast with Monica and We're so excited to start this journey with you, where we're going to talk about anything and everything, all topics, anything that you ask us, we are going to try to answer. But most importantly, we're going to have fun in the process. I also think that a lot of people don't really know us, and this is a great opportunity to see how we are behind the scenes both as a couple, but also, um, for instance, Michael is wickedly funny and has an amazing sense of humor, which you will soon discover. So, do you want to say anything, honey?
0: Well, I'm very excited to be doing this with you. Um, you know, we have the opportunity to travel all over the world and meet students and both give lectures and answer questions, but um, I always get this response from as students. As they want to have an opportunity to even to ask us when we're not in Brazil or any other place in the world. And I really hope that this could be an opportunity, not just for our friends in uh, the United States, but really all over the world, to both be able to ask questions and get them answered. So I'm very excited for this great opportunity for us to be able to share uh, with our students all over the world, students and friends. The first question is from Sherry.
1: Participating in my first Kabbalah One course has been an incredible and moving experience. My question is, how do we better prepare the consciousness to hit pause and not be reactive in our daily lives? I understand that this takes time and commitment. And of course, being patient is a big part of this. I would love your recommendation to keep a key thought in my mind as a go-to.
0: That's a very good question. It's, you know, we, those of us who've been studying and trying to practice Kabbalah and spirituality for years, we know that this is an ever, um, really a never-ending process. It's never about reaching the end, but it's always about getting better. And, you know, the Rav, my father would often Explain that Kabbalah, this path, is very different than many other spiritual paths. You know, there are people who are told, you know, if you behave in such a way, if you do these things for God, then after you leave this world, you'll have all kinds of benefits. And that's, you know, a certain belief and a certain way people want to live their spiritual lives. But the Rab, my father, would often say, Kabbalah is about seeing the change here and now. What happens to our souls after we leave this world? That's also an interesting and important part of the study. But if you're truly spiritual, if you're truly growing and developing, you need to be able to see the changes in the here and now. And that's, I think, for me, maybe the most important test that each one of us, and we only we know what's going on inside, what is causing me to be fearful, what causes me to be angry. But it's important that we always assess and ask ourselves that question. It's you know not coincidental. Right now, we're in a time of quarantine, probably it's a time that many of us can take stock of where we are spiritually and that question is what are the things that make me fearful what are the things that make me angry what are the things that make me resentful are they less now than they were before have i been able to overcome any of them and if the answer is yes then great then you're growing then you're changing And this will be a life path that will continue to show and manifest positive changes in your life. Who doesn't want to have less things that make me fearful? Who doesn't want to have less things that make me angry? But only through spiritual work and the effort invested in that can you grow. So to answer your question, it's this daily constant practice. Let's say today there were 20 things that made me angry and five things that made me fearful. And five things that made me resentful. Tomorrow is it only 28 in total instead of the 30 today. And the next day is it 27 and so on and so forth. And it's about trying and failing and not always succeeding. But as long as in life, I can really be honest with myself and say my spiritual path, what I am learning and what I am practicing is making me even every day, even only slightly less fearful, slightly less angry and so on.
1: So that's the big picture of why we need to restrict our reactive nature, um, but it's really hard to do in the moment, right? We all get our buttons pressed and they're in different categories, depending on you know how we spend our time or who we spend it with. The sure way to stop the reactive nature, which again, we all have, is in the moment, A, keep the perspective of what Mikhail just shared in terms of our purpose and the bigger picture and why it behooves us to keep pushing back against being reactive but in the moment if you just stop and see everything as an opportunity and when you do that then even in the most trying times like Mikhail just said where we're finding ourselves dealing with COVID-19 you know there's so many things that could worry us right there's financial worries there's um being you know home all the time with people that maybe push your buttons Whatever it is, it's still an opportunity for you now to say, okay, this is the situation. I, I cannot change the situation. I cannot change the person or the thing that is upsetting me, but what can I choose? So if you choose your consciousness and you can choose what you want to pay attention to and how you want to go about it, you can change every single thing. I know for me personally, this podcast, I have been asking Mikhail to do this for quite some time and here we are doing it. And I honestly think that if we didn't find ourselves at home as much, right?, we probably wouldn't do it for maybe another year. So there's always a silver lining. It's our opportunity. It's up to us to look for it. And as we were speaking, I wanted to ask you, Mikhail. You know, what do you think the biggest thing that causes our reactive nature? I mean, it's a three-letter word, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Which letter? Three-letter word. <laughs>
1: Let's guess the ego, right? Because oh, okay. the ego is pretty sure. <laughs> what were you gonna say?
0: No, I was trying to figure out. what I should have
1: let you guess a few. Yeah. Um, But the ego is the one that likes things to be in our control, that knows the outcome of every situation, knows where everything's supposed to go. And when things don't go the way we want them to, we get very reactive, we get very upset, and we feel very entitled about things. So, what do you think? Well, I think, yeah,
0: for sure, right? I mean, it, it goes back to the fundamental spiritual principle that is, that we are in this world to go through challenges. And they don't always have to be difficult, but to go through challenges and change. That's why we're here. They were born with two really polar opposite natures. One which we call our soul, which is that desire that is to share, to do good, to help others and so on. It is also from where we derive our greatest fulfillment. And the other part of our nature is the selfish ego nature, the three letter word. Um, And really, that's our That's why we're in this world, right? I mean, the the spiritual view is that the real reason we're in this world and everything else that happens in our lives, the people we meet, the people we marry, the children we have, the work that we do, is to give us an opportunity to grow and to change. Because ultimately, and this is, you know, it's interesting because the word ego, um, you know, people often think, you know, what I'm doing for my own benefit. Well, the Kabbalists teach that, if you want to really achieve what is for your own good or for your benefit, it's really about changing and growing. And which is, you know, as you were talking about, because that's really the thought that I had that, you know, one of the other ways that Kabbalistic principles are different, maybe than other spiritual paths is that this is not about becoming a better person because that's a good thing to do, right? It's the fact that if I want to have a better experience of my life, then I have to change. Then I have to find a way to evolve and diminish my selfishness and increase my, what we call, desire to share. And that's why this maybe constant battle against my own reactivity is so important. It's not important because then I'll be a spiritual teacher, I'll be a spiritual person, I'll be a better person. I think it's always important, especially if you you want to find the motivation to be investing in this constant battle against reactivity every single day, you have to be saying, why am I doing this? There's only one reason, one real reason. There might be other reasons. Yeah, I'll be a better person and so on and so forth. But I want to do it because at the end of the day, I know that if I want my experience of life to be getting better all the time, that means I have to be changing all the time. That means I have to be growing all the time. I have to be becoming less reactive all the time. And I'll share with you a story. I don't know if that answer, answers your, the question you were asking, but... Um, You know, I don't know if I shared this before. I might have shared this in one of my lectures. I don't know if Monica knows the story. Tell me if you do. Mm. So this was just a few weeks, probably a few weeks before the quarantine. But by now, a few months ago, I was parking our car in New York City. And um, as I was reversing into the space, um, there was a guy coming out of a cab and I didn't see him and he didn't see me um, parking. So he's like he like jumped out of the cab and started hitting my window. I guess you know, angry that I that I didn't stop in time to, to you know, I didn't hit him, of course, but I didn't stop in time that he thought. So he hits my window, and then like I just feel this anger <laughs> coming from inside. Now, if you look at the situation from both his perspective and mine, we were both in the right or in the wrong. Half. You know, not, neither one of us was doing something wrong. I was parking. He just jumped out of a cab. He hit my car just trying to make himself safe or maybe just a little bit angry but i remember i remember the first thought that i had after that 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 sort of awakening of anger i said to myself you know i'm so happy this is happening because this is really you know what life is about life is about catching those moments because again the we view it it's not that by coincidence i was parking by coincidence this guy was jumping out by coincidence he hit my car no i needed in that moment to have the opportunity to overcome that rearing anger that was happening inside of me. And again, that's the way you want to view life. That you're thankful for the opportunities and there are going to be opportunities every single day to restrict, to restrict that reactivity. And again, just going back to what I said before, I think it's so important that we understand that the reason we want to do it, the real reason we want to do it, because then my experience of life is going to get better.
1: Exactly. And, and a, a surefire way to do that is to ask yourself throughout the day, how much under the influence of your ego are you? And just by asking that simple question is going to bring you back to center and focus on what's important. Is it important to be right in this argument? Is it important to feel validated by somebody? Is it important to um, have the last say in a conversation or do you want to have a happy life? Because this is the formula. Um, okay, I'll take us to our well, next. Well, well, okay. I was going to ask you before we go ahead.
0: Um, can you share a situation recently where you felt reactive?
1: Oh gosh, let me think. <laughs> I don't know. Can you share one? <laughs> I can't think of. I cannot
0: think of any in all of our years of marriage.
1: Oh, you're so sweet. This is why we're going on 24 years. Um, yeah, I mean, I get reactive often. Sure, I do. I think that for me, I'm I'm a Type A personality. Big surprise. And, um, I haven't noticed, I know, I know. And I try really hard to, um, to change that about myself because it's like a pressure cooker for me. And then for those around me, um, yeah, I'd say I was reactive probably a few minutes ago when, uh, David, our oldest rang the doorbell while we were recording this podcast, even though, um, I had texted him before. So again, right, what, that's a perfect example. I had a plan. We were going to do this. It was going to be effortless and fun without any interruptions because everybody knew about it. And uh, and then boom, right, something happened that I didn't want to happen. Um, but, you know, I caught myself. So I think we're good.
0: Yeah, just before we go on to the next question, I would say that when I think about this, this brings us back to what you know, we call it spiritually hungry, right? Spiritually hungry for what? really you sp- should be spiritually hungry for two things. One is change. And the second is fulfillment. And those two are intertwined. We will not, any no, none of us are going to become more fulfilled and happier unless we're changing more every single day. And I think that's at the core of a true spiritual life.
1: Well, it's funny because, you know, I love to talk about change, um, being a change junkie. I was actually, t- I was doing a, live Instagram, um, with a friend and she's like, you're a change junkie and I'm a same junkie. And she was really excited about that. Cause she she's didn't, the same junkie. Yeah. She didn't really have an interest in changing. I mean, she's, you know, we're friends from the gym. It's a different kind of, um, friendship. She's awesome. But, uh, but I wouldn't say that she's necessarily spiritually hungry. I don't think she would, I mean, she's calling herself the same junkie. Right. But I think that, and I was thinking about this when I was running earlier today, because I know that people want aspects of their life to change. They can identify areas that are not working, where they feel lack. But often people either become a victim or they feel that they can't really change the things that they want. This is the hand that they were dealt or it's too difficult or um, life is somehow hard, right? We have all kinds of belief systems. We also know that the only constant in life is change. You don't really get a choice. You can just choose the direction in which you're going to go.
0: Or you can try to fight what's happening.
1: Right. So... But if we have this appreciation that change is our constant companion in life, whether it's welcome or not, right? Things happen to us we didn't want, like parents getting divorced or somebody getting sick, and then we have other changes that do occur, and it's it's a pleasant surprise, right? But in reality, we're meant to change. We're meant to choose change. We're meant to embrace it, seek it, and then get excited about it. And that's really what a spiritual being spiritually hungry is. It's being excited about Chasing change because when you do that, it's not just your reality will change But first your consciousness shifts you're able to see things in a different way You're able to feel in a different way It's kind of like having all of your senses heightened like you had never had it before for me. That is the most rewarding Thing and it also enables you not to ever really get down about the things that don't go your way So actually change is the thing that that helps you not be reactive because what can you be reactive to right? then you're, you, you become flexible about things that don't go your way.
0: Yeah, I think it's also important to understand that, you know, and we talk about this a lot, but you know, in life there are many choices we don't make. Things that come into our lives that aren't. If you would, you would ask yourself, do you want this, the answer would be no. I, mean, I wonder for many people, how many of the things that actually occur to them beyond their control are things they would have chosen. But if you understand the perspective of change, right, that is, I want to be somebody different in a year than I am today, in a better, I want to be better in so many ways. I want to be less reactive about certain things. I want to be less fearful about certain but things. But I just
1: want to say, you are going to be different a year from today. Right. But who do you want to be, right? That's where your free will comes in. That's where your your power right. can be drawn upon. Right.
0: Like you said, I mean, we, you know, unfortunately, I'm sure many of us know people who, as they grow older, they get either more disillusioned and angrier and more disappointed. But yeah, so change is going to happen, right? So nobody ever stays the same person. But the question is, will you be driving the change towards something better? And and the point is that you you can make these choices. Like we're talking about how do you fight to be non-reactive more every single day. But also the beauty, once you really begin to see it in this way, of the spiritual system that surrounds us, is that there are going to be absolutely things that come into our lives that are not going to be things that we, if you ask yourself now, want, but they will have the power to change you in the best ways possible if you embrace them. And I think that's a really, that, that perspective, because, you know, we can talk all day and all night about the choices that we're going to make and the things that we're going to bring into our lives. When in reality, I think it's important to have that true, the honest humility that so much of what is going to come into our lives is going to be beyond our control. And the only way that that is going to continue to be a positive process and that you're actually going to be enjoying it is if you really embrace the understanding of change, but not just, you know, I think some times when people think about change, you know, I want to lose weight. So I'm going to have this plan. This is how I'm going to bring the change, right? We're here we're talking about no, how do you get to a place? So
1: why? Because they think if they lose weight, they, then they'll be happy, right? Everybody's right. actually going to the same goal, but their understanding of how they're going to get there and what's going to bring them the happiness and fulfillment is different.
0: Right, but but and limited. But even when I think even when we talk about spiritual change, I think a lot of people have it within a frame of how am I going to do it, right? As opposed to how is this going to happen to me? And sometimes, I would say, oftentimes the most important changes happen from the things that we did not choose.
1: Exactly. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because I get asked the question a lot when I do different podcasts or interviews and people say, well, when did you become a change junkie? And hands down, and I'm, and I'm curious, well, hands down for me, it was when we had Josh, our second son. And um, most of you know our story. I speak about him often. Um, I found out, we found out that he had Down syndrome three hours after I gave birth to him. And I remember that it wasn't so much the diagnosis that threw me, that that terrified me, and I had many, many feelings, but it was the idea that how did this happen, right? In my mind, for nine months, I was growing a healthy child in every way in my body, and then suddenly it was this brand new reality of what, you know, I had to come to terms with what I thought would, be, would happen and what would be and then what actually was. And I had a choice to make, and eventually I did, but I could either... And we know many couples who have had children with disabilities, and it's either broken them up or it's destroyed them. It changed their whole life, and I not think for yes, the it's better.
0: Statistic, right? I think right.
1: Um, or you can choose to again embrace change and say, "Okay, well, what's the opportunity for me?" And Josh became the best thing that ever happened to me personally as a person. I became more empathetic and kind and compassionate, and really seeking and embracing change and becoming flexible. And you know, and I remember right after I had him, somebody asked me how I felt, and I said these words. You know, it was never on my like. If you asked me a list of things that I wanted to happen to me in life, it wouldn't be on it. But I'm so happy that it did. Right? It's it, it's in those ways that the biggest life lessons, the biggest opportunities, and the and the most beautiful things come. Right? Because I see Josh as an absolute gift and a blessing. But that change again, seeing by like changing your consciousness and shifting it.
0: Right. Right. And I think what I what excites me about the spiritual. Process, having experienced this, right? Because this isn't something one is asked to believe. That having experienced such beautiful change from such challenging situations that have come into our lives, it makes you more naturally able to embrace both the unknown and the unexpected that enters into our lives. And imagine that type of life, right? I mean, that's for me, that's like the most beautiful thought that no matter what. Again, I'm not there yet. I don't know if Monica's there yet. Most of us aren't there yet, right? But but that no matter what is going to happen in our lives, what we control and so much more which we don't control, if I can get to a place that I am able to enjoy, embrace it first, and then enjoy it as a process of change, whether, again, it's something that's comfortable for me, something that I would have called into my life. That's the most exciting thing, because then there's nothing that will scare you, and there's nothing that... That, that will be able to, to upset you if it comes into your life. But again, that's why again I was thinking about this before when you were talking that one of the reasons it's so important to be doing this constantly, which means you know really grabbing every opportunity to not be reactive in our daily lives, is because as we go through life, there are going to be situations that the me today won't be able to overcome won't be able to embrace. But if I grow and change consistently, then the me, when that happens, will be strong enough and elevated enough, developed enough to not only accept it, but to embrace it and even on some level, enjoy it.
1: Seek it. No, it's funny because you can't, it's not going to happen overnight, right? But if you practice this, then every day you start to see things a little bit differently. And When things come up, you're able to bounce back very quickly. Right. It's, it's kind of like, and that was really what was exciting for me. I remember when we went to, um, our friend's birthday in Mexico, I remember she had, she had the whole plane filled with her friends and we missed the flight. We were the only ones, literally the person in front of us got oh, right, on the flight right, right. and the the the, the 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 person looks at us and he's like, sorry, that's it this is the cutoff. So we looked at each other, we're like, awesome, this could be a date, because airports, well, not now with the pandemic, but pretty fun, right? You can go have a cocktail, there's bookstores, you can get a massage. And I remember at that time we were like crazy busy. We hardly had time for each other. So we really actually right away welcomed the three or four hours we had alone together in the well, airport. Because we
0: enjoy each other's company. Yes,
1: but I think it's also being able to, because we were like, oh, we're gonna right. miss out. We're not. We were just so, whenever we get there, we're gonna get there. And funnily enough, when we landed finally, everybody was like, wow, you're so lucky you took the later fly- flight. Ours was so turbulent that people were throwing up and it was the worst flight ever for them. So I think that that's, that's what's exciting, when you can just change even just your consciousness in a moment, right? Okay, this is not going to happen, so now this. And when you do that in small ways every day for the little things, and when the big things happen in life, you're able to handle them much right. better.
0: But I think it's important, again, to to appreciate, which I know we both do, how difficult this is as a process if you really want to take it to its yeah. to its to its highest level because I think I think for many people and I've heard this from students, one of the most important transformations that occurs at least initially is is when you understand that reactivity is not good for you, a lot of people can get to that place but to really start living consciously and to and to ask yourself not just to allow your natural reaction to occur either before if you can stop it, or even afterwards, really take the time to think, to really take the time to be conscious of our actions, about our reactions, even to be conscious of our thoughts, right? Because so often, whether it's fear and other types of reactivity, it's not even something that we act upon or even verbalize, but it's happening in our mind, right? I would say probably the most of our fears are happening in our mind. We don't even talk about them or act upon them. But to live more consciously, I think, is the key at least in the beginning, I would say I was going to say in the beginning, but throughout our spiritual lives, to live more consciously, to question. Why is this fear coming to me? Why is this situation coming to me? And if you live more consciously and really take the time and then, okay, this is happening, I want to live less in my natural reactivity. I want to live less in my natural reaction, but to grow into change. And then you question every reaction you have. You question every situation. Why is it making me angry? Why is it making me fearful? You live more consciously and understand that sometimes you have to restrict, not because you understand why it's good for you, but because it's part of the process of change. So this guy just, you know, slapped me in the face. And um, every logical cell in my brain says, you have to get angry at him. Maybe you have to hit him back. Maybe you have to yell at him.
1: Well, your ego, for sure, is going to tell you to do exactly. all those things.
0: Exactly. And sometimes you have to go back and say, "It makes no sense to me right now, but I have to do certain things and limit certain reactions that don't make sense for me to do." so that I can grow, so that I can change, so that I ultimately have more fulfillment. And that's why, again, like we said before, I think at the core, they really have, the driving force cannot be anything external. It cannot be being a better person. It cannot be you know, being a better husband. It has to be being better for me. I want to have a more fulfilled life. And the only way that that's possible, I know, is by becoming less reactive, by pursuing my spiritual growth, and then by doing things that are not logical sometimes and often doing them when I understand them. But that growth is what ultimately brings fulfillment into my life.
1: And nothing's random. Every single person affects everybody else and we come together for opportunities. I think it's interesting because this next question actually ties right into this. What's the question? I have a daughter-in-law who's extremely negative. She's a Scorpio and no matter how much we try to make her happy, she always finds something negative to complain or criticize about. I try to ignore her for my son's sake but sometimes my blood boils and just washes all the Zen out of me. How can I deal with the situation Kabbalistically? Wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that that That's a question that has many layers and deserves a long, long, long podcast about. But the first thing that comes to mind as I was listening to that is I think it's so important in life to know that there is always, almost always, I'll say, Almost, Friend, Monica and I were talking yesterday about certain situations that have been in our lives where where we can say, you know, we can be sure that 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 other person was not in the right. But I would say in 90% of the situations in life, there's always another side to the story. And things are never as black and white as we experience them, as we feel about them. And I think that's good whenever we're thinking about, certainly we're thinking about family relationships or any really any type of relationship, my perspective. And even if I am spiritual and Zen is still only my perspective. And there is another, maybe I'm, maybe I'm 90% right. or maybe I'm 80% right. There's no way that I am ever hundred percent right. So that's where I always, whenever anybody comes to me, or even I think about myself and my relationships with people, the first thing that I try to do is say, okay, let's see, let's try to see what is that person experiencing. Now, at the end of the day, I might go through the whole thing and say, okay, I understand why they're behaving in this way, but they're still wrong. I'm still 60% right or 70% right, whatever that situation is, even, even with Monica and I, in our relationship, right? I think there are times, and we try to be as as uh, uh, um, conversational about this as possible, we you know, and this is another thing. You know, sometimes uh, we ask people, and we're kind of veering off this this question here. But and we're not going to talk too much about relationships. We'll leave that for another podcast. But you know, people say, you know, a perfect relationship is when you never argue with each other, you never <laughs> disagree, <laughs> and that's obviously the, the silliest thing. That's you know, maybe for somebody who doesn't like to change, maybe that's. I fair. get
1: worried about relationships that they don't argue. Yeah, right. You, see, you don't really care enough, and there's not a lot of passion there.
0: Right um so so we try to take the time to talk and and you know we do think we behave towards each other hopefully most of the time in a very loving and, and 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 correct way but sometimes of course we don't and then when those conversations come up right you have to first listen and then go back and forth and really try to figure out okay in this situation was i more right or were you more right What i don't know if the word is right is wrong but but who was more reactive who was less reactive and I think that's in every, every area of our lives. It's so, I think I think we don't, we often don't take enough time to take a step back and say, okay, I understand my story and my perspective. If I am not open enough to hear their side, and I say here, I don't mean necessarily going over to them and asking them, tell me what your perspective is. But knowing that there is some validity to the other side of the story, because when you start the thought off with, I am 100% right, and she's a selfish daughter-in-law who can never be made happy.
1: She's Scorpio, is what she said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think that the chances of fixing the situation become that much less. Whereas when, if you can say, okay, I, I think I'm pretty right here, and I think that that, that we're giving a lot and, and, and we're you know behaving in the right way towards her, but still there seems no way to make her happy. But there's another side to this, and even if it's only 10% or 20%, that brings us one step closer to being able to to make the situation better, which obviously is the purpose.
1: There's so many um, things when I read this, because I think first it's, you know, yes, I we believe in Kabbalistic astrology, and um, yes, there are signs that have certain characteristics, but it's also easy to judge and put people in boxes. And I I think that's dangerous. As Mikhail was saying, I think giving the benefit of the doubt is so incredibly important. And we all do this where we look at people and we only see them through our lens and in reference to ourselves, right? How they make us feel, how they interact with us. And when we look at other people, we tend to see them in one dimension, you know, just very simple, black and white, you know, she's a Scorpio, she's this, she's that. But when it comes to ourselves, we're nuanced and we're complex. And if we can look at other people in that way, right? They're layered. I mean, what was her childhood like? What was her upbringing like? Why is she behaving the way she is? Um, Does she feel insecure in this dynamic of me as the mother-in-law and um, with my son? I mean, there's always, if you're able to just pause and see all perspectives and put yourself in her shoes, I think that's the first step. And again, we are, we all do this, right? I remember that um, this is years ago when we lived in California. There was one road I would take every day uh, to go to the gym to work out, and I would pass this woman walking on the street. I mean, every single day, and she'd walk back and forth with a sign saying that she's got like five kids and she needs help. She needs money, and she can't she can't work. And I remember. Finally I caught the thought after I don't know how long, but I was thinking, you know, would well, you clearly have enough energy to walk up and down the street back and forth with a sign? I mean, why can't you work? Right. And I was so upset with myself once I caught the thought, um, that was probably going on for weeks, that I said, Okay, Monica, let's turn this around. What 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 could be another scenario, right? So then I started to sell stories like maybe her husband just died and she never worked before and she never managed their family or the money and this is her best right this is her best um but just by creating another scenario another picture i was able to remove the judgment and really have empathy for her i think that also in terms of relationships you know it's not your responsibility to make her happy because that was something else you wrote in the question no matter what we do we can't make her happy i think that when we talk about relationships all types and we talk about love we can either create love that's unconditional or one that's ego-based. It's not your job to make her happy. I think instead, maybe meet her at a place where you're offering, right? You're just giving love without an expectation, um, not looking for her response, not looking for her gratitude, not looking for anything, just offering, right? I think that's the beginning of creating a friendship and creating a relationship. Um, and the last part is, you know, if your son is happy with her, and, yeah, uh, I was gonna and say, I was he, just, and that's a big
0: pe- missing piece here what what you know yeah. how he
1: feels about it right but i think that um if he's happy and even if you wouldn't be happy in a relationship like that if he chose this and he's happy then then be happy for them you know maybe she's just defensive in front of you maybe there's so many maybes we can say right so I would just really take a step back and try to see this a different way and maybe offer her kindness and love instead of, instead of looking for for her response or for her gratitude and and what she's offering you.
0: Yeah. I would say the other, the other phrase that stood out to me in the question is, is when you said that she makes your blood boil and that really relates to everything we spoke about until now, anyway. because the point is this even assuming she is a hundred percent wrong in her behavior, as a spiritually developing being, you want to be somebody who is not reactive to that. Now, none of us are meant to be angels tomorrow, but the question you have to ask yourself, if this situation is in my life, it means that the creator knows that I need this challenge to grow. So regardless of how you will interact with her, the first focus, and this is always true in all the people in our lives that cause us anger or our blood to boil and so on, first ask yourself the question, how can I change from this?
1: And why is what her her behavior so upsetting to you, right? Is that an, an indication of an area that you need to change is when something really bothers you that somebody does, where you get angry and mad. If somebody creates a reactivity in you, that is a good indication that there's a gem here for you to discover in order to change for the better.
0: Right, and that's why it's interesting. again, we always say you have to have two views on everything. First, yourself. Why is this happening to me? There has to be a reason, a growth that is meant to happen to me from this situation. Now, even again, Monica said, you know, she might, she has, like I said before, also as well, she has her perspective and so on. Even if she's 100% wrong, you still need this in your life. There's
1: still an opportunity for you for growth. Absolutely.
0: And um, I and I think I think it, there's no question if, especially when, like Monica said, now the other side to this, right? Th- there are people, and that's why I said it's so important to, you know, to really take the time to look inside. Where after a certain time, you say, you know what? Assuming your son is happy with her, maybe I spend less time with her. If if really you come to the point where Every time you're there and it's three times a week and it causes your blood to boil. There is a point where you say, OK, I will limit the amount of time, but that's way down the the, the road. I think the first question has to be, how can I grow? Can you imagine? And again, not to you know, sometimes when, when I when I share, you know, people say, you know, it seems so lofty not to be too lofty, but can you imagine not what this situation will be like, but what your life would be like if you were at a point in your spiritual development where your daughter-in-law's behavior, no matter how wrong, didn't affect you in any way. Imagine that place of being. And what I would say is that if this is happening in your life, it's because you can grow towards, I wouldn't say to reach that tomorrow or next month or next year, but you can go towards that being. And, and I ask you to take, take just take a moment and think what your life every other area of your life will be like and the experience if you are able to really be a person who even in this situation where your daughter-in-law is again being selfish unappreciative and so on but now you're in a place where it doesn't even touch you now the benefit of that will be not just in your relationship with your daughter-in-law where you can be more unconditional because she doesn't make your blood boil no matter how she behaves but it will affect every other part of your life. And that is actually why it's in your life. It's not necessarily in your life because you're going to help her become a better person or you're going to help her appreciate more. Maybe that will or won't happen. That really is up to her. But for you, the change that you need to go through and I need to go through and every single one of us needs to go through, but now you're being given a beautiful gift from the Creator. Somebody currently in your life who is assuming behaving badly and unappreciative, but you're going to grow and become less reactive, even in this difficult situation, you will see that every other area of your life is going to benefit from the growth that you bring about through this consciousness and through this restriction of reactivity, even in this situation.
1: Because we all need opposition, right? And if it's not your, because that's what makes us great. When we, we looked, we talked about this last night when we looked back at the hardest years of our lives, as difficult as it was, I am grateful for it because we never made it about them. We did not become victims to it and we, we rose up, right? And that opposition really helped mold us into who we are today. And I think there needs to be a healthy appreciation for those people that are strategically placed in our lives to help us become better and do better and be better. And that only happens when things are difficult for the most part.
0: Right. Right. And again, I think, again, not to belabor that point, but if you really view your life, that there are no coincidences and that everything that comes into your life, regardless of anybody else's story and purpose, the real reason I am experiencing this in my life now is because I need it. I needed either to grow from, to enjoy, to develop and so on, but there is no coincidence why I need this. And I think if you again you start there. So again, and what how she will change or or in what ways you can help her change or your son can help her change, all that is important conversation after this beginning. If it's in my life, it's in my life for a reason, a reason of growth transformation and change. And I have to say that I'm very um, interested to know what your son's perspective is. Um, I would just say that if he's like Monica said, if he is happy, like so often, you know, actually Monica and I were talking about this last night when when we look at our children.
1: We had date night last night. That's why we had all this conversation.
0: (laughs) But, But often people, when they look at their children, they have a desire in some way for the children to be something or for their children to marry. And trust me, we Monica and I both have very, you know, hopeful yeah. ideas about who we would want. I wouldn't say who, but the type of relationship we would really love for our children to have. But I think it's so important to really distance yourself, take one step back and say, okay, this is their life. This is not my life, this is not my spouse, this is not my job, this is their life. And of course, you try to give as much advice as you can. You give, of course, as much love as you can. But let's be careful not to wrap ourselves up in anybody else's life, be they our children or anybody else in our life. My responsibility is my growth. Their responsibility is their growth. And all I can do is share wisdom, support and love. But at the end of the day, I have to be very careful that I don't intertwine my desires into the, the choices that they're going to make because they're, I know that we, we've seen this and this is going to continue for sure our children are going to make many decisions we agree with and they're going to make some decisions we don't agree with hopefully they'll be right about those but
1: you have to allow them to have their journey though it's their journey
0: and appreciate that it's exactly and most importantly appreciate it because I we've seen this so often it's not mine it's not yours it's not it's not parents choices or really story it's the children's story and choices and like Monica said, if your son is very happy with her, then then that you know really is a different story. Than if he also sees this as an issue, then of course it necessitates conversation and and work. But I think honestly, the only way to approach any of that in the right way is by becoming less reactive yourself about the situation first.
1: It's so interesting. I wasn't planning, I was going to wrap it up now, but I just wanted to you know as you were speaking it made me think about this is it, it brings me a little bit of sadness you know um because when we were talking about our kids I was thinking about my own childhood and my father was so immersed in all of his three daughters and all of our journeys I mean really there was a lot of control and um of love out of love, but I don't think love and control can really coexist. I think when you love unconditionally, you allow a person to have their journey. Of course, my father thought he was doing the right thing, no question. The pain for me though, is that um, he has Alzheimer's and he's not able to see what came of his daughters. I'm gonna get a little emotional, but, um, and I just, I wish that he had enjoyed the journey and he had allowed me to have mine and, and be happy at that time in his life, instead of always being worried and upset and yelling. And again, yes, it was from love, but had he enjoyed that, I'd feel better about him not being able to see where I am today, where my sisters are. And so I guess my ultimate advice to you is don't let anybody else steal away from your day and your time and your moment. This is your life. And you alone are responsible for the quality of it because there will come a day where there'll be a different reality and Maybe you won't have as many choices. I mean, I think that's the biggest Gift my father's given me is that understanding of how precious each day is and how we can get so mired in other people's Process pain life journey that we miss out on our own sure so Thank you for joining us. I'm super excited about this. And please send us more questions at monicaandmichael at kabbalah.com. Yes, Monica and Michael, A-N-D, Michael at Kabbalah.com. I'd we will love- get to them. I mean, yes. we, we thought we were going to answer five today. We got to two, but we're, we're keeping all of them, and we'll definitely get to them.
0: Yes. So thank you to all of you who have sent in your questions. Thank you, all of you who are listening to this. I know that I enjoyed it, Monica. Yeah, hoping to see like, you too another thank date God. in the day
1: now. That's yes,
0: great. Yes. <laughs> they listened to by thousands of people, but yes. Um, again, so thank you uh, for listening, and we look forward to sharing with you again next week.